0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We're glad you're here as we turn to the book of Genesis for our newest series, Family, Why Bother? In the pages of Genesis, we'll discover all kinds of hurting relationships that prove families have been dysfunctional from the very beginning. Join us as we uncover the only one who can renew and restore our broken families. Well, we're in a series that we've entitled Family, Why Bother? That may seem like an interesting uh, title uh, for a series, but it certainly captures the sentiment of the mood of a generation who is asking in many ways, why bother with family? Is family even worth it? A generation that has has experienced extreme isolation, uh, a a sexual revolution, and all of this has led to hyper-individualism, where the question has arisen, marriage, why bother? Or kids, why bother? Is there a value in any of it? And the dominant narrative, if we're not careful, is that there is no hurt like family hurt. But there's another story, and I think the story needs to be proclaimed, and that is there is no blessing like the blessing and the joy that comes through God's grace shown in our families. I pray that many of you will shout from the rooftops that marriage is worth it. How many believe that with me? That children are worth it. How many believe that with me? In a world that wants to proclaim kids are a burden, how many believe, according to word of God that children are a blessing from the Lord. Amen? We need to have that in our hearts. And I want to thank God for those of you who refuse to let it go. So today, we're going to look at a a, a very special passage, Genesis 24. Join me there. And what you're going to see today is a a love story. Uh, Now, before all the men check out on me, it's more than just a love story. It's a story of faith and trust. Now, last week, Pastor Steve stood up here, and he encouraged you to trust God for yourself that the greatest thing that you and I could do is simply to trust the Lord earlier this morning at one of our earlier service we sang this song trust and obey how many have heard that song before well if you're under 40 you have no idea what I'm talking about if you're raising your hand that means you're a man or a woman of a certain age and I praise God for you because I'm with you you know the older I get the uh, the redefinition of what is old changes when I was in my 20s it was 40s now it's like somewhere north of 85 But the song says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. That was uh, Pastor Steve's message last week. But today I want to flip the page, push the conversation a little bit further, and say that it's not just God's expectation that we would trust him for ourselves, but that we would trust him for our children and for the next generation, and for our grandchildren. And I would venture to say that it's much, much harder for us to trust God for our kids than it is for ourselves. You know, uh, growing up in church and later on going into ministry, there's so many things that the Lord has called me and my wife to do at various times that we were more than willing to do without even blinking an eye. You know, one of those was going on missions trips. We've been to places where the road has run out, places where the there we were no phone signals, and we did that, and we did it happily, trusting the Lord. But now in a few uh, short weeks, I'm going to be going on a daddy-daughter missions trip with, a, with my daughter and about uh, five other dads. We're going to be going to South Africa, and uh, I'm more nervous than I've ever been for myself. This is much more of a a stretch of my faith as I see my children getting older and now them embracing what it means to take risk and to trust God and to follow his leading, trusting God for our children requires great faith. and We're going to see that in the life of Abraham, but I want to let you know, parents, that the same God who is faithful to you will be faithful to your children. How many praise God for that? That he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The scripture says that for those who love him, he will bless to a thousand generations. Today, what we're going to see in Genesis 24 is that God is providentially at work. He's working in our everyday life. That word providence just means divine intervention in a favorable way. It's our way of saying that God is working for your good. Genesis 24 is a long chapter. We won't read every verse. I'll summarize certain parts of it, but there's three characters that I want to highlight. First is Abraham. I want you to see the setting for this passage. Look at verse number one. It says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. It'd be interesting if the story stopped there, it would be a beautiful story, that this man came to know God, and when he discovered and uh, was touched by God's word and his grace, that he put his trust in him, and that God blessed his life. No doubt as this is being pinned, it's considering all of Abraham's life. That because Abraham trusted God, his economic life was blessed. Because Abraham trusted God, his social life was blessed. Because Abraham trusted God, his relational life was blessed. And I could go on and on and on, and that is certainly true. But the story does not stop there, and neither does it for our own lives. The end of our story, the prayer for blessing, should not just be a self-centered one. Our prayer, your prayer, my prayer, can't simply be, Lord, bless me, full stop. But as we will read on, we'll see that Abraham wanted more than just personal or private blessing. What was he praying about? What was he thinking about? Well, in verse number two, it unfolds the story. It says, and Abraham." said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac." Now we see what Abraham's concerned about. He's older in age now, and his desire is that his son might be blessed. You know, I wish I could tell you that uh, your prayers would stay the same throughout your life, but I will tell you as every other parent in this room will tell you that children change your prayer life. How many parents know what I'm talking about? Grandchildren will change your goals. When it was just me and my wife, most of my prayers were for myself or for her. But once I had children, my prayers progressively were centered on them. And now I find myself, no matter where, I start in prayer. Somehow it seems like inevitably I end up praying for them. Lord, bless them. Lord, keep them. Lord, protect them. Any parent know what I'm talking about? Lord, move in their life. And I think that's a a good thing. That's a good thing. There's an African proverb that simply says this, and it, it may not be perfect, but I think it's close to true. It says that you're only as happy as your saddest child. And if it's off, it's only off by a little bit. The truth of the matter is we carry our kids in our hearts. We are constantly thinking about them. But what God shows us through Abraham is that we should be doing more than just simply thinking about them. We should be planning and praying for them. That it's our job to begin to pray for our children and dads all around this room. There's many roles you can play and I know that some think that their only job is to be a financial provider or maybe even a protector and those are great. But I also pray that you would embrace your job as the CIO of your family, the chief intercessory officer, that your job is to pray when nobody else is praying. When they're asleep at night, you should be praying. When you wake up in the morning, you should be praying. When they're in your home, you should be praying. And after they're gone out of your home and you've launched them on, they should be carried along by your prayers. Abraham was thinking about his, his son, and so he turns to a servant, and even though he's not named here, many will tell you this is Eleazar of Damascus, his lead servant, and he looks at him and he says, uh, Eleazar, I want to make a covenant with you, and so put your hand under my thigh. This was a way of making a covenant, and the covenant was a serious thing in those days. If you made a covenant, it was to say that I'll do this or, or at the expense of my life. And so he makes this covenant. His covenant is, I want you to find a wife for my son. I'm old now. I can't do what I used to do. I don't have the same strength that I used to have. But I know this, God is faithful. You know, in different seasons of your life, you're going to be reminded that you are finite. That you can't go with your kids everywhere. You know, you wish you could help them through every decision, every heartache, every moment that is defining in their life, but you can't. Sometimes there will be limitations. Abraham is facing a limitation of age, but not a limitation of faith. And today I want to encourage you to trust God's promises. Abraham certainly did And he says to this man, go and find a wife for my son, but don't do it from among the Canaanite women. Now, this is no ethnic discrimination. It's not that they're Canaanites ethnically that he's concerned about. It's not their ethnicity, it's their ethics. What he has seen happen is the erosion in that culture of godliness. He has seen the erosion in that culture of ethics. And what he wants is not for his son to have a wife that is ungodly, but that his son would have a wife that will serve the Lord. And here is my opportunity to say to parents, it is never too early for you to pray for the spouse of your child. That even as we have parent-child dedication up here, it's okay. Even now, I'm praying for the spouse of my children, and they're not thinking about it. I pray they're not thinking about it. They're not thinking about it, but I'm praying about it. My prayer for my daughters is that God will bless them with covenant-keeping husbands who will honor him and honor them. My prayer for my sons is that God will bless them with godly wives, God honors those prayers. I know a man, Mr. Shepherd is his name. I went to school with his daughter, and uh, he's been a great man of God, a great role model. His prayer was a bold prayer. He had four girls, and he prayed, Lord, I want the privilege of discipling all of my daughter's future husbands. And he's had that privilege. God honored that prayer. And each of his four girls are now married to men, young men, that he had the chance of discipling. How many know God answers our prayers? Amen? And so he says, go back to my people. And uh, Eleazar says, well, what if uh, we find this young woman and she doesn't want to marry your son? And here's way Abraham says. Verse number seven. The Lord, the God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. In other words, God will be faithful. God will be faithful. And I know as as a dad all too well, the question of, God, I don't know how they're going to make it. Will you provide? And Abraham is a reminder that the same God who provided for you is the same God who will provide for your children. And so here he is, believing God that God was going to bless his son with a good and godly wife. And here we are, believing God that God will bless our children and the story goes on from there that his servant agrees to this covenant and he sets out. And in verse number 10, it says, Then the servant took 10 of his master's cam- uh, camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. That's his brother's name. So his brother's city. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the uh, well of water at the time of evening. Uh, uh, The women uh, the time rather when women go out to draw water and he said "O Lord God of my master Abraham please grant me success today and show steadfast love or hesed in the Hebrew to my Master Abraham, behold, I am sending, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar, and I may that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camel? Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. It's so many things that are culturally distant for us like the way we think about marriage in our day. We think uh, through the, uh, uh, the filter of the love songs that we hear or the romantic movies that we see. And for most of us, we think that the way it happens is you see somebody get those butterflies in your stomach and it's love at first sight or somewhere along the way and you, you go off and get married as an act of your own volition. Uh, but in most of the world, even today and certainly throughout most of uh, of history, they have what you call arranged marriages. Now, when I was younger, I despised the thought of arranged marriages, but now that I'm older with my own kids, <laughs> I'm just saying it sounds reasonable. That's all I'm saying. Are you... You can pray about it yourself, right? But families who cared for their children would not just plan for their education. They wouldn't just plan for their financial future, but they would plan for their family future. And the way that they would do it is they would find another good family and say, why don't we make a plan for our children to get married? And often they would find marriage and then they would find love. But this is a moment that we're we're standing in. And, and so Eleazar has been sent by his master, uh, uh, Abraham, who's trusting God for a good wife, says, uh, Lord, there are so many young women that are coming here to draw water from this well. How am I supposed to know which one is the right one? Here is my prayer for you. I got these 10 camels who are with me. I'm going to approach a young woman as I sent you leading, and I'm going to ask her for a drink. And if this is the one, may her response, to me be I'll not only give you a drink but I'll also water your camels as well Now, that may not seem significant to you but here's my question to you when was the last time you watered a camel (laughs) the fact of the matter is is that camels can drink on average 10 to 25 gallons of water What this means is that this young lady was signing up for hours of hard labor. It was an overflow of kindness from her heart. That this was not a woman of ordinary character, but she was extremely generous and extremely kind. Again, I pray that we would... uh, look for, and we would train our children to look for people of high character to enter into relationship with. And as you teach your children all types of skills, from music to language to nutrition and all of those things that are wonderful that for them to learn, that the greatest skill we would teach them is how to discern the difference between good and, and godly character and those who do not have it. Because our relationships are what make or break our lives. And so here we are, Eleazar, praying for this. And so he sees a young woman and he approaches her and he asks her and she says yes. And she comes and begins to give him water and water to the camels. And in response, and I'm fast forwarding the story because of time, he gives her a gold ring. And he says, I am from my master Abraham's house and I have been sent here uh, to find a wife from among his people, for his son, Isaac, can you please introduce me to your family? And the Bible says that she does that and he introduces her or she introduces him to her family. And look at what it says in verse number 53. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments Now understand what's happening here. This whole transaction that's happening here is about him proving credibility. That's all that it's about. Because imagine if you were a stranger showing up with this story that I am from uh, a land sent by Abraham, a man who's in covenant with God, and God has promised to bless him, and he's praying for a spouse for his child. Imagine you showing up with that story. You would have to prove credibility. And here he is proving that I'm not some guy off the street, but I really do have a credible story and God was at work through it all and how did God work through it it's because he not only trusted the promise of God but he he sought the provision of God Listen, there are going to be certain times in our lives when man can't supply what we're looking for. Only God can supply what we're looking for. But I want to encourage you to look to the Lord, that ultimately the Lord of our lives are not our jobs. How many know what I'm talking about? It's not government. Government's not God. How many know what I'm talking about? That ultimately our faith is in the Lord. There's a passage of scripture that says, some trust in horses, others trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's what we trust in. Some trust in governments. Others trust in corporations. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Eleazar said, God, if you don't do this, it won't be done. And you know what? If you would have shown up in certain chapters of Abraham's life, you would have wondered, is he going to make it? I don't know if he's going to make it. It doesn't, doesn't look too good for him. And if you were to show up in certain chapters of my life or if I were to show up in certain chapters of your life and saw you in your low moments, maybe you would have questioned, I don't know if that Chris Brooks is going to make it. Or maybe I would have questioned you. Why do I bring this up? Because some of us are doing the wrong math and we are looking at our kids in in their current state and maybe they're not at a high point and you're wondering, Lord, I don't know if they're gonna make it, but let me remind you that the same God who was faithful to you is the same God who will be faithful to your children. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. How many thank God that we can trust him for ourselves and we can trust him for them. God provided just like God provided Sarah for Abraham and she became the mother of nations God is providing now Rebekah for Isaac his son a good and a godly wife Verse number 57 shows us though the other side of the coin Because if you think that somehow through your theological study, you have solved the theological tension between the sovereignty of God and the human will of man, I will send you back to your Bible because it is a tension that only heaven will resolve one day. I wish I could tell you that the only thing Abraham needed was the promise of God, and the only thing we need is the promise of God. But no, we have to cooperate with God. And we see now Rebecca. Rebecca. She could easily have turned down this moment to marry into a family who had a covenant and a calling from God. Verse number 57, they need to get her word on the the matter. It says, they said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, the woman who would have been nursing her from the, from the uh, time she was a child. And Abram's servant, his men, and they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebecca and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebecca and went his way. Rebecca was an impressive young woman. And what makes her so impressive is that she was sensitive enough to discern the word of God and the will of God. That when she heard that God was at work in this family's life, that is what mattered to her. Now, later on, she's going to discover Isaac is a handsome man. He is a, he's a good man. He comes from uh, great stock. He's, a, he's an awesome guy to be married to. But the most important priority in her life was, is he in covenant with God? And because she had heard he was in covenant with God, her answer and her response to will she marry him was, yes. I pray the women of our church, in particular those who are not yet married, that that would be the high priority of your life, that as you are evaluating a man, what good is it if he has a great job? What good is it if he seems to be cute? What good is it, all those externals, if he doesn't have a heart from the Lord? Rebecca knew how to evaluate what was right, and she went on, and God blessed them. You can read the rest of the story, but it's an amazing story of God's provision. She obeyed the plan of God. Men, I will say this to you, that the greatest blessing you can give to your family is to obey the plan of God. Because when you do, no matter where you are right now, you will see your family blessed. I want to invite you to stand with me all over this church. And I want to do something that we don't typically do at our In our church, I want to close by inviting men all over this room to join me up front. Men who want to see their family blessed, men who want to see God uh, blessing their children and their grandchildren. Can you just say excuse me to the person standing next to you and come and join me? I want to close by praying over our men. And if you're in the balcony, you could just gather at the banister up there. But I want to read a verse of scripture to you as you come. We're going to come, and I'm going to pray, and let's come close. Let's make room for other men, and we'll fill the the aisle ways and do the best we can. But here's what Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 9 says. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You want to see your family blessed, trust the Lord and he will bless again and again and again. It doesn't make a difference what mistakes you've made. It doesn't make a, a difference how you've blown it. He's the God of restoration. He's the God of the second chance, the third and the fourth. And He keeps receiving you if you keep coming back to him. I want to pray for you, but as I'm praying for you, I'm praying for your sons. I'm praying for your daughters. The Lord will not only let his favor be upon you, but upon them as well. Let's pray. Father, I pray for these mighty men. Men who may feel weak, men who may be angry or disappointed. Maybe, uh, Lord, even the relationship with their kid's mom is not where they want it to be right now. Lord, I know that you can restore, you can bless in spite of our challenges, you showed it with Abraham, a man with limitations, but blessed by you. So, Lord, I pray that you would do it in the life of these men. I ask it in Jesus' name. And all the godly men in this room said, amen and amen. God bless you, man. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family.